Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Forensics finally released this. What is it? Personal effects they recovered from Skyfall. You've got a secret. Something you can't tell anyone. Because you don't trust anyone. I always knew death would wear a familiar face. But not yours. I was at a meeting recently and your name came up. Unflattered London are still talking about me. It wasn't MI6. You are a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Welcome, James. It's been a long time. And finally, here we are. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week, we finally... Get the answers to the questions no one's actually asked. Just who is behind the scenes pulling all the strings? What connects the Craigiverse? Can you phone in an entire film? And how on earth did that song win an Oscar? Yes, it's Spectre. And joining me to inject some smart blood is the writer for stage, screen and audio and creator of the sitcom Wooden Overcoats. It's David K. Barnes, everybody! Hello, John. Hello, Hello, David. How are you? I am very well. I all yeah. the better for hearing your voice, John. Oh, thank you. You too. Oh, Do you remember is... in the real world where we sometimes go and have a pint? We did. I remember I was speaking that only the other day. I thought the last yeah. time, I'm fairly sure that you, you owe me a pint and then you caused all this to, to get out of it. You're a scallywag, John. I know, I know. Of the first order. I can't help it. <laughs> it's just how I am. It's how, <laughs> how God made me. Hmm. So I've made you watch Spectre. Yes, that was a that was a cruel thing to do during, during lockdown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, 
uh, Spectre, I mean, I assume, I mean, I watched it last night uh, and mm-hmm. put my partner through it to, yeah. to see it again, to, mm-hmm. you know, just as a case study to see how somebody else was going to take it. Do, do you rewatch it for this? Or are you going on memory? I had to rewatch it a few times for the book, so I am going on memory. <laughs> Although I did put it on this morning just to kind of refresh some beats here and there. Of course. Uh, but I didn't watch the whole thing because I don't think I could watch the whole thing again for a while now. No, that's fair. I uh, think um, having seen this was only the second time I've seen it. The first time was in a cinema in what 2015, wasn't it? 20... Yeah, 2015. Yeah, right. It feels ages ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I saw it in the cinema there uh, on on a picture where there was just a slight bit of judder all the way through, giving a kind of slight feeling of car sickness. Um, watching it on a, on a lovely Blu-ray on the television didn't have that, but you, it is. You know, I thought going into it again. I know this is two and a half hours. Is it going to feel as long the second time round? It does. It it, it yeah, does. It does feel like that. But when you when you mentioned Spectre to me, you said, "Look, <clears throat> nine, we both know this is not in any way a perfect film. No, it it has its issues. But you said, look, why don't we? You know, we we need to sort of really get to grips with what Spectre is. You know, can Spectre be solved? Can you can you fix a problem like yes. Spectre? And I think I think by the end of this podcast, I think you can. I oh. think Spectre. I think there's a very very good film, not a brilliant film, but a very good film lurking in there. And I I think it's there to find. And I I think we can do it, John. Yeah. Well, I said to you, didn't I? I said I wanted to get a writer on Spectre because I think it can be mended. Mm. And I'm, I'm pleased that you agree. It, it most certainly can. I, I was mm. dubious, even about halfway through. I thought, <laughs> is this a bit much? I think there's. I I think there are numerous problems, but another draft, a couple of drafts, and it, it could have been solved. It, and it could have been, it could have been really good. I think. Well, let's find out. Yeah. As we delve into Spectre, I want the the the, the music from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, like. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, we we get a gun barrel. I mean, that's pleasing. Yes, that's my first big tick. Am oh. I right in saying I think is this the first Daniel Craig Bond film to have a gun barrel at the beginning? Yes, aside it is. Aside from Casino Royale, which did a kind of fun recreation. Which exactly. Really good. Yeah. 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 I you know I I still don't know why in Quantum and even Skyfall, Skyfall even being more of a huge huge celebration of the franchise, why they stuck it at the end? Because I I can't think of a. A better encapsulation of the style and the, and the tone and the mood of, of a franchise in such a short period of time is like the 10 seconds at the beginning of a Bond film with the gun barrel. Mm. It is perfect. It is mm. an unsurpassed 10 seconds that you can recreate. Mm. Why? Why at, the, why at the end of the last two? I don't I wish I knew. Um, I think Quantum, because they were continuing it from the very end of Casino Royale, maybe that's the excuse. Yeah. But Skyfall, I think... I don't know. They they instead they cheated a bit and used that um, Deacon shot of Daniel Craig walking into the light. So yeah, it kind of yeah. looks a bit like a guy. I don't know. It, uh, but well, he, he's like... never done a good one though. I should add that. By the no, way, he, he's a bit quick, isn't he? Too quick. Yeah. He... Uh, the one at the end of Quantum of Solace, it looks like he shat himself. <laughs> I, I noticed that. Um... Even I think some of the early that like the Sean Connery ones, even when it's actually Sean and not the stunt man, mm. when he sort of comes and he doesn't he, he sort of dives around and he kind of wobbles around a bit. Yeah, he's, he's a bit unsteady on his feet. Yeah, but I think I mean I think for my money, my favourite sort of I reckon the best is it's either between Dalton and Brosnan for mm. for the opening gun barrel. Yeah. That's a confident stride. It's a yeah. nice turn. Agreed. I'm a big I, fan of that. I love the Brosnan ones. Oh yeah. Apart from uh, Die Another Day. Die Another Day. The bullet flies out. <laughs> Unnecessary. Because, <laughs> um, uh, but the, the, the my favourite one is the Tomorrow Never Dies one because it's 
because Brosnan gets the shiny gun barrel, which I love, and then when it yeah. as, as it moves across, the light glints across it, and it's also got David Arnold doing the really good rendition of the yes. score. So, oh, it's uh, yeah, it's and cool. I, I mean, to, you know, my things on Tomorrow Never Dies. I, uh-huh. I do think it's uh, an unfairly maligned film, and I think w- close to being the perfect, the perfect Bond film when you just want. I want a film that feels a bit Bondy. There's a film, by the way, that you can fix with two to three alterations. Yeah. And make it probably one of the best ones. Oh yeah, uh, but unfortunately, they made a few wrong turns in that one, which which I'll have to talk about on that episode. As compared to the rather, you know, the higher number of wrong turns in, in Inspector, where I think the gun barrel, the gun barrel, it gives you such confidence. It like, does. Oh, they, they've stuck it at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and you're going into this pre-title sequence, which is, you know, it gets a bit silly later on, but it is a, it's a excellent. Mm piece of filmmaking isn't it yeah it's a, it's a lovely, lovely i don't bit. like when the gun barrel finishes what we should have right in the, in a normal world we have the gun barrel it then goes a bit crazy like it does and then we get the white yeah zoom, we get the white zoom out back to the day of the dead festival beautiful instead yeah. we get this bollocks black screen with boom yeah the dead are alive i, I what? noticed that yeah i think why have you it's like yeah we're, we're there you've got the oh no you've cocked it up at the last hurdle mm. why why come on if you're going to do it at all i think that's a, that's a kind of encapsulation of a lot of specter even right there it's you're doing all this stuff which is you think is quite fan pleasing you're bringing back all this stuff all the old toys mm. but you feel a, it, it looks like you're a bit embarrassed to be doing it yeah and so you're not giving it the full whack and for it to work you know, you've got to really go it with Welly, and mm. they're not entirely sure. No, it really bothers me. Uh, but as you say, it's a really well put together sequence. It's it's tricked to make it look like it's all one shop. Obviously, yes. it's, it's been computer put together. I'm being really yeah. technical there. Sorry. You know, I don't uh, understand you. But it's, <laughs> did, it's like a bit. Did you see? Um, is the last film I saw in the cinema before all of this was 1917. I didn't the, see it, unfortunately. It's very good. It does make you feel a bit like you're in a kind of a video game cutscene mm. and you're desperately waiting to be allowed to play the game again. Someone told me that the celebrity, the actor cameos in it are like a game because they get bigger yeah. with each cameo. Very much. Yeah, you will be just going along, going along, going along and you're thinking, okay, are we get to the end of the next level? Oh, look, there's Bendit Cumberbatch. Brilliant. <laughs> Our next level boss. Let's see if we can sort of dupe him into not shooting us. It's, um, yeah, I think, uh, I'm glad the whole of Spectre isn't filmed like this, mm. but it is really nice at the beginning. I did notice that, uh, you know, Daniel Craig there in a very nice sort of skeleton outfit and the top hat mm. moving around. I mean, I for some, I wish he'd been dressed like that for the whole film. Uh-huh, and I agree. That, and that no one, everyone had noticed, like all the other characters can, can visibly notice he's not dressed right, but they, they, they don't want to bring it up. Yeah. It's like the odd look around the Is room. Is he having some sort of midlife crisis? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, and then when he's moving, I noticed one thing, I'm not sure if it's deliberate or what, but I think when he's dressed like that, he moves a bit, he's a bit more sort of slinkier in the way he's moving. Yeah. It, it's like you, you can't necessarily, I mean, you know it's him because you think, well, why are we following you? But you can't quite tell. I think if it was Roger Moore doing that, you'd know it was Roger Moore mm. just striding about like uh, Roger. He wouldn't be bothering to uh, hide but, it. But David, a mask, you see, it gives an actor freedom. Yeah, absolutely right there, John. Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, it's probably what they discussed at the beginning. It's probably, I mean, I bet Daniel Craig would have preferred to wear the mask all the way through. Mm. Even, even if they, he said, uh, I'll get rid of the costume, I'll get rid of the hat, I am going to keep the mask on. Yeah. For a while. And they went, well, you know. Luckily, you turn him down. when he takes the mask off, time has <laughs> ravaged his face so much that there isn't a discernible difference. 
That's I'm being horrible. Sorry, it's not true. He's a be- <laughs> he's a beautiful man. Beautiful man. Yeah, but it, it is. I like um when he when he does take and the 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 you know lovely lady gets on the bed and then sort of yeah. goes, "Where are you going?" Hmm. And I'd like to imagine Bond turning out. Oh, actually, I've already come. I'm sorry. Sucks. Hair trigger. I'm sorry. I'm really. I'm just going to nip out. I'm really so sorry. It doesn't normally happen. Nips out the window. Let's go and get some curly whirlies. <laughs> Sit in the car, having yeah. a cry. <laughs> yeah, but then he goes out on the window uh, yeah. with these little, little. It's a very like nice machine gun that you'd expect to find in a lady's purse, and he carries it as such. He's got it like uh, just yes. daintily put over his shoulder. I like when he when he actually gets to the place where. He's, you know, he, and he's looking at, at the window at them, and they're having their little chat. Hmm. And there's a bit where they, so they look out the window and look at him, and then he has to sort of duck down behind the wall. Think, why wouldn't you duck down already? Why are you just sort of basically standing there where they could see you? Yeah, it's a. I'm not necessarily necessarily sure he's got the whole spy thing going. Maybe he's just bored. Maybe he wants to be found out. I Maybe think that's he does. the that's the theme of this film. Right? He like wants he, to be found out. He's like a a dogger who's had enough. <laughs> I want to be caught. Dogging. Catch officer, me, officer! Please, well, I'm going to join you, actually, sir. No, no please, <laughs> just take me in. Take me in. I'm the masked dogger. Just Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine all the way through. Everyone keeps going. Uh, Mr. Bond goes. Masked dogger. If you don't mind. S- sorry. Uh, okay. James, it's me, the author of all your. Uh, so, sorry, so masked dogger. I'm the masked dogger. Uh, oh. Okay. Which that'd be a great. I'm sorry to take a sidebar here, but. You know, he just had the masked singer. Yes. He said, Why don't we have the masked dogger? And it could be a celebrity that goes dogging in a mask. And we, do we have to guess? Do, do, can we do a phone to find out, you know, try to guess who it is every week? Yeah. Is it Tony Hadley? <laughs> no. See no, you next it's... week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Daniel Craig. It's Hello, Anne Whittacombe. Oh, dear oh. me. But likely, very likely. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. Isn't no. she, she's famously a virgin, so... Gosh, is she? Yeah, apparently. Well, she, she has to be. Well... Uh, so, well. yeah, but Bond, um, he, he, he puts in his earpiece and watches this uh, meeting happening in this room uh, where they talk about, tomorrow I will visit the Pale King. Yes. And I think, A, that's shit. Uh, B, yeah. it sounds like an ale. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then he, they're, they're kind of ha 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 ha, and he has a laser sight that's blue. Yes, which is annoying. And which, of course, they notice to go. Oh, hang on! Someone's probably going to shoot us. Yeah, and he, he shoots the suitcase, which has got a bomb in it. Does Bond know that there's a bomb in that suitcase? Because I notice that he, he takes his time shooting everyone else, and well, they then talk about the how they're going to blow up a stadium with this suitcase, yeah. don't they? So yeah, he must know. Yeah. So. I assume then, yeah, because he's, he's running around, blah, 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 blah. If, it, why do you, if you want to take them out, which apparently you do, hmm. shoot the suitcase, yeah. take them out. But How no. many people have died in that building just then? I think every every moment, that I think every Bond film needs to have a moment. And I used to, you know, I used to watch it with friends back at university, and we'd see, you know, a sequence where Bond is causing mass carnage and endangering public life to an astonishing... And you just sit there and go, Bond! You just mm. want M to turn up and mm. shake his fist going, Oh, Bond, I'll get you! Like like Dreyfus in the Pink Panther films. Yeah. Going around trying to get after him. And I think it's good to have at the beginning of, of this Bond film. Again, confidence. It's con- this is the Bond that we know. He's, in, he's being reckless with public safety. Mm-hmm. He's knocking down a building during a mass gathering. Yeah. Um, they don't stop partying, of course. They... They're really on board for that. They the love it. Even though half the town's just exploded, they're still, you know, nothing's getting in the way of this party. Oh, yeah. 
And I, I think, and the building collapses and bonds on. I think the bit where he uh, falls on the sofa, that's a good gag. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like it's that. A, again, it's sort of a bit Roger Moore but There are still... little germs of good gags and little moments yeah. in this film, but they're surrounded by so much crap. It's not so one. annoying. I think we'll find, as, especially as the film goes on, there are yeah. so many moments you think this script needs, it really needs some punching up. There are yeah. lots of moments where, like, somebody will say something and Bond will reply in what you assume is going to be a withering put down. And he doesn't. It's like a sort of a, a bit of a pause, and he doesn't quite know what to say. And so he says something like very obvious, like, oh, well, I'll see you later then. And so, it's. So he chases this guy, mm. um, the baddie. Yes, who, who looks a bit like Bernard Breslau in Longshot. He does look a bit like Bernard Breslau, you're right. I think I only know it's when, it's when Bond is in the street and he's walking along and he, he sees him in the distance and they stop mm. looking at each other. And mm. I think, and Daniel Craig's sort of like narrowing his eyes and thinks, is that, is that Bernard Breslau? But what's, what's most annoying about this sequence uh, is that there's no. I think the Bond theme's used once at the end, but it's not used properly. No, not at all. And there's a lot of beats in this where there's music missing entirely. You're like, yes. What are you playing at? It's quite an anonymous um, soundtrack, isn't it? It is. Thomas Newman, who did Skyfall and actually did a good job on Skyfall, but yes. in this one, it's so anonymous and generic. Yeah. That I remember listening to the soundtrack on Spotify when this film came out, trying to pick bits and pieces because I've got like a Bond playlist and I add tracks to it as I go. And I'm trying to look for something that stands out and I just literally, there was nothing. No. No, there isn't. There, there are new, so many moments you think what you do need. I think somebody on mm. Twitter recently I, did they take the scene where Bond's in the the sort of plane with no uh, that was me, that was me, snow. David. That was you. <laughs> that was Jesus me. Christ. Yeah. And you did. Yeah, of course you did. Yes. You, yeah. you you suddenly stepped up and said, "You know what, everyone? What you didn't mm. know about me is that I am a sound and music editor. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing it for years. And I quite like James face. Bond. Yeah. And yeah. so we thought, Christ. Okay, John Rain's a Bond fan. Blimey. Mm. And uh, you did, and yeah, when he crashes through the giant shed yeah. to a carousing bit of the Bond theme, go, oh god, yeah, that's what we wanted. Yeah, that's what we needed, and we don't have it. We're hardwired to have an adrenaline rush when we hear that. Yeah. So to put something in that without it, it would be like Superman taking off to nothing. Yes. Just and, like... it's, and it's especially this big sequence. I think you need one thing you realize watching the the, the helicopter sequence hmm. is I think. You, and I noticed even the cinema, I thought, okay, we're, we're revving up, he's chasing after the gun, we've had a building collapse, he's landed on a sofa, okay, this is a Bond film, excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a fight in midair, great, we've done that before. Mm. But it doesn't, I, I don't know why he's attacking the pilot. No. Why? You think, why doesn't he just say to the pilot, okay, land, or I'll kill you or something? Presumably yeah. the pilot must be armed, or, or when Bond could, like, steal the gun and say, right, I'll shoot... You know, why is he fighting? The, I can understand fighting the bloke in the back. The pilot mm. just thinking, well, I ought to try and do something about this. Mm. Why is he attacking a helicopter pilot with crowds of people beneath him? Yes, I don't know. He kicks uh, him out and takes over the helicopter. Yes. I think I think it's a bit where, again, you might disguise it. If you've got an exciting James Bond theme and you you know, you go, okay, this is just the, this is just the sort of stunt we're watching. Bro. Mm. Okay. But again, why is the helicopter... Why is it not speeding off? Why is the pilot... Surely I thought the pilot would go, okay, fuck, my boss is being beaten up in the back of this helicopter. I'd mm. better fly off somewhere and land. So he does try and loop out. the loop. Yes. He just yeah. thinks, you know what I'll do? I'll knock, him up, I'll knock them both out. I'll whittle around in place in the sky. But I don't, yeah, it, it's a sequence which, even watching the time, I thought this isn't quite... It, it's, it's, it's not of the best... You know, no. we started so well, brilliant tracking shots, but it's kind of been pissed away by the end for the scene. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense. And then he he manages to retrieve a ring off of the bad guy, which of uh, and then the ring is the Spectre logo. 
Mm-hmm. And then we get Sam Smith's song, which starts much like it's, it really um, is perfect for this film because it starts with this Barry, John Barry esque. Yes. Um, bit. Sorry, I can't think of words today. <laughs> and um, then just slowly sort of pisses down your leg. Yeah, I noticed that it starts to play while Bond is still in the helicopter. Yeah. He, sort of, he looks down at his dashboard as if to go, oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. He's, he just leans forward and switches it, you know, to <laughs> Elaine Page on Sunday and sits back and goes, that's more like yeah. And we have that throughout the rest of the next three minutes. Mm. Glorious. But no, we do have Sam Smith's song, which I think... I don't mind it as a song. It's not an Oscar winner. No, no, it's it not. It shouldn't be. I don't mind it in when, in a sort of a Bond playlist. You're doing a random shuffle that comes up, and I go, mm. "Oh yeah, that, that's all right." In context, it's it's it is a kind of signal of the you know you thought we were going to have fun. We're not. Yeah, but also I, it it doesn't work with an opening title sequence because there's a lot of no, dead no. air in it, but it's just yes. a little piano in him. And yeah. you've got all this imagery going on. You need something a bit more beefy than that, I think. Yeah. No, oh, very much. I, I Even watching, with all that, the imagery of the, you know, te- oily tentacles everywhere, which is, you know, very mm. disturbing anyway. It is. It's tentacle porn. Yeah. It, it's a very, very odd sequence. Like a mm. topless Daniel Craig being mm. caressed. And it's, I know it's a bit like Octopussy. But... And it's a bit like Spider-Man 2, because then you get little bits yeah. from the other films, which I really hated. I still hate it now. Yes, I, I, I noticed watching it, they don't have any clips from Quantum of Solace. No. I think, imagine if, like, you know, Do- Dominic Green, the yeah. villain, turns up, and the title just stopped, there's a record scratch, and Bond just leans in going, who's that again? Do you think that's because in I, Quantum of Solace they didn't have the rights to use Spectre, so they invented the Quantum as the yeah. baddies? Well, isn't um, that the, um, where this came from with, with Spectre? It's like they finally got the rights, and so yeah. they suddenly said, oh, Christ, let's do... yeah. Spectre movie. And also, let's call it Spectre. So, just in yeah. case you're in any doubt. Yeah. I hate that this is called Spectre, by the way. I wish it would have any other title. I do think, I mean, it's one one of my sort of ongoing, you know, I was taking notes in this film is this is a film which, again, it's gone right. I know what the fans will like and we'll do something interesting with it, I'm sure. We'll bring mm. back Spectre, the Spectre organization. We yeah. tried it with Quantum, it wasn't quite working out. We need the brand appeal. And they go, all right, that's a jolly good idea. Let's bring mm. it back. What shall we do with it now we've got it? And a dead silence. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. They don't know how to actually use these toys. And it's. And then someone pipes up, well, what if the baddie, what if Blofeld's in it and he's related to Bond somehow? Yeah. Perfect. Oh, oh sure. I mean, oh. I, I do think the best thing, when, when Blofeld, of course, you know, who friends Oppenheimer, whatever, he's courting himself mm. in the, for a little while, turns up in the, in the titles and he's got tentacles behind him. I was excited. Oh, what? Blofeld's got tentacles. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. That's a blonde villain. It's Dr. Octopus. Yeah. We find, yeah. you know, all, the last few Bond villains, we've had a few good ones. We've had a few not quite sure. Oh, we've got a man who's got, who's got, who's actually half octopus mm. flopping about all over the place, slithering along the ground, trying to get up onto a chair and failing and still <laughs> speaking to Bond. I'm, I'm the architect of all your, your pain. Mr. That Bond. is actually the baddie from the um, <laughs> Penguins of Madagascar film. Is it? Yeah. Played by John Malkovich. I mean, if they're going to, you know, steal from the best, mm. put it in this film. Mm. Get Christoph Waltz can voice it if he still wants to. Also, by the way, and we're going to get into this a lot, but if there is an octopus obsession, which why not at this point? Yeah, of course. Why not have the baddies lair have octopuses or big fish tanks full of octopuses? It's it's a very, you know, for a, for a location which is clearly very expensive and I assume expensive to film in, it looks very swish, it, hmm. still, it still seems a bit down market. It's compared to it's just your so Bond. Un- underdeveloped as well. It, it's just it's it's a it's a very nice place 
for you know a company to have a meeting mm. and and uh, you know have a bit of an away day yeah and team building exercises yes it, it, it's not a it's not a villain's lair no um you're right it, it does need even like you know the very first we doctor no he's got some fish everywhere and yes. you know, apparently giant fish and and mm. stolen paintings and yes well, that's and he was a member of Spectre, of course, so he's got yeah. all that stuff. Why doesn't the big bad of Spectre have? He, he's got a meteor, right? And at one point, it's like they're in a dentist's. Yes. Uh, oh, just... um, but um, anyway, so uh, after the titles, Bond goes to see M, and he's in trouble because uh, he's supposed to be on holiday, I think. And yes. And he's blown up most of Mexico. He's blown. I like again, you know, trying to injecting the positivity. You go, okay, mm. that some didn't quite work, but mm. this is a fun. This is a very seventies. I love it. It's a good setup. It's even even though the quality of the film looks a little bit more sort of moth eaten. Even though it bit. fails the script writing test, I always set the films. Oh yeah, I mean, because it's a very good, as you know. Exactly, that's the <laughs> one where I always slump. I slump in my chair and go, yeah. please don't use as you know. It's such a yeah. lazy, lazy way of writing a scene. Yeah, but I mean, Bond should either reply in stop and go, sorry, uh, sorry I didn't know that, actually. Mm. Where's this come from? Mm. Or we should suppose go, yes, I do know that. Yeah. And then silence. And M doesn't speak. And goes, oh, well, if you know it. Yeah, I yeah. do. I mean, at least do that the other way around like they used to do with Bond films, where they go, what do you know about dot, dot, dot? And then have Bond dump the exposition. <laughs> Absolutely That's much everything. better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know about Mexico, Mr. Bond? Well, well I just Whips blew it up. I've blown it. <laughs> uh, it was lovely. But he's clearly hiding something because M says to him, look, I'm asking you. On the, I think he says, officially, I'm asking you. Yeah. By the way, I really like Ray Fiennes as M. I do. I, I, I think um, it, it, it's... I mean, one thing we'll get to probably in, the, in this film is he's possibly overused. It's a Definitely. good performance. Yeah, I agree. We, we don't need to see M darting around all over the place. And no, this, this has come in since the world is not enough. Suddenly M seems really important in these films. Yeah. Uh, when really he should be bookending the films. Very much. I mean, it's, it's an excellent performance. Mm. It is that kind of. I mean, he. he I think even my, my girlfriend said he, he's sort of acting as if he's in a Le Carre adaptation. Yeah. And Daniel Craig isn't. And that's yeah. actually quite a night. Nice, that's actually quite a fun tension. Yeah. Um, because again, it sort of grounds Bond into into a different sort of world. And you go, okay, yeah, this is the Bond world. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to play around with it. I fucking love the line though, where. Um... Ray Fine says, M says, you know, I've got all these people on the phone to me asking why you were doing this, that, and the other. I'm going to have to answer them. And then Bond just looks at him and goes, Yes, you're right, sir. You've got a very tricky day. <laughs> I think that's probably. Just M pauses, stares, and a single tear goes down his cheek. And he goes, mm. I'd, I'd like some help, Bond. Yeah. Voice cracks. Bond just goes, God, I'm sorry. Goes around the desk. I didn't realise. Puts his arm around him. M starts to cry. And then he nice says, And then he says, Nat, from your, you're grounded. Yeah. Go to your room. <laughs> Is it, how many times now? It feels like ever since License to Kill, nearly yeah. every other Bond film has had M saying, Bond, I'm going to take away your license. You can't do anything now. And Bond, Miji says, fuck you. Well, it. pretty much every Craig film, apart from Casino Royale. Mm. Yeah, apart from Casino Royale, he, every Craig film, he has gone rogue. Yes. Yes, why do they keep him? I, I don't mean, know. I know he's, he's good, but he's causing a lot of problems. You want... I want to get back to a Bond film one day where they say, Bond, I'd like you to go and investigate this thing that's happening. He does yeah. that, and then they meet. he meets up with MI6 there and says, this is happening. And then they say, jolly good, off you go. Yeah. And then he saves the day. Yeah. I, d I don't want to have every film to have a scene with them saying, what on earth do you think you're doing? 
because it's getting a bit boring now. And yeah. I'm sure in the next one it's, happen- it's going to happen again. Oh, it must do. Because, I mean, presumably he's going to come out of his you know, self-imposed exile and yeah. come back. And they go, oh, Bond, we've got all these other spies doing it now. And they go, mm. oh, no, you're not. And he's going to charge in, shoot people, mm. shoot down an ambassador. And they go, yeah. Bond, please. Yeah. What on earth do you think you're doing? <laughs> My name's Jason Fleming. The More Than My Past podcast will see me talking to a wide range of inspiring people. People who have confronted and overcome addiction or imprisonment or both and turned their lives around. I did mad things that was hurting myself and hurting other people. Everybody grows up in a house called normal. Heroin addiction and chaos was my normal. Some people don't understand the word moderation and uh, I was definitely one of those people. The More Than My Past podcast. Uh, but this is where we meet C, played yeah. by Moriarty. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who it walks in and might as well say, hi, everybody, I'm the bad guy. Now, this is, I think, you know, there have been a few issues in the film up to this point, but generally mm. you can brush them aside as, yeah. as, as nitpicking, as we've done, because why not? We're fans. Mm. We love, we, we want to love this. We want to love this film um, because it's come back. It's been bloody years. It's the last Bond film we've had. Mm. I think C coming in, and it's of no, it's, it's not Andrew Scott's performance at all. He's doing a perfectly, he's a, also an excellent actor doing a committed performance with very, very little. Mm. I think C is the bit where the film really veers off, starts to veer off the rails this early on. Yeah. And there are so many things you could do this. I think that this is the scene, I think this very scene is where, with a rewrite and then a bit of replotting, the film could become really exciting and really good. And I think you could keep C and his, at the moment, very abstract subplot. 
it's it, there's something you could do with this, and yet they don't do anything with it. See, it's well, they basically as... got him walking in, twirling his moustache immediately, yeah. which yeah. there's no there's no tension there because you know immediately he's the bad guy. Yeah, and you think, well, if you're good, you know, we expect you are the bad guy. I mean, it's a problem of casting in mm. this film. It's it very is. unimaginative. When yeah. they've gone, you know, who we ought to have, we ought to get. We've got Christoph Waltz, and he can be himself, you know, because mm. you know, I'm sure he will like doing that. You know, I'm sure professional actors like to be told to stand there and do whatever you want rather than mm-hmm. being given a character to play with. Mm-hmm. Andrew Scott, I'm sure he'd love to do his Moriarty bit again mm-hmm. in Bond. And you can see, I mean, both of those actors, I think at numerous times, look quite uncomfortable mm. in this film. Couldn't agree more, yeah. And I, it's a big, I mean, I'll probably get to it more as, as it goes on, but I do think... C is kind of the the heart of why this film is isn't working and it should. I think it, it is nice that he you know, given how much these some of the Craig films like to keep Bond from meeting the villain until like the last five minutes of the film, mm. it'd be quite nice to have like a big villain meeting Bond about a quarter of an hour in in Evans' yeah. office and yeah. think this should start something. Yeah, but I don't believe they ever see each other again. No, if, you know, and there's that bit. I think um. You know, Bond starts saying, I think I'll call you C. And he goes, why? Why? Yeah. He hasn't really... He hasn't done anything to earn that. No. no. Bond's being a bit of a prick. And then there's a bit where... I, a bit I laughed so loudly when C... I think he has a, he has a long bit of speech. I think he's sort of like a veiled threat. Oh, the double O section is useless and you're right. out of touch and we don't need you. And there's this really long pause and a close-up of Daniel Craig. And after a while he just goes, that all sounds lovely. As if he's been spending so long trying to think of a zinger and mm. he can't think of one. Yeah. And that's the best he can come up with. Yeah. And and it happens quite often to Craig, I think, throughout this film. But that's the first one I thought, this script needs a punching up. Like, yeah. Come on. Absolutely. Um, but so he, uh, God, this is where it starts getting bogged down again because he leaves there yeah. and then Money Penny arrives and says, Money Penny. Here's yeah. your personal effects from Sky, ret- ret- retrieved from Skyfall. Yeah. Uh, so we've got more. Bond's history and uh... you know, I'm you know I I'm the first time I saw the film a Judy Dench cameo delighted with that I don't see a bit of Judy Dench yeah but you know I think you know what what she's going to do is going to be something really interesting and something a kind of a you know a sort of very formal gut punch no it's a weird bit of exposition to mm-hmm. lead you on to the next clue I think that's that's not how you use this face from the past if that's the kind of story we're telling. Have something a bit more of an emotional investment in there. Also, feels Not... like they're, they're so terrified to move on from Judy Dench as well because they've yeah. just they've just gone through all that fucking effort of killing her in the last film. Yeah. Then to bring her back to just deliver some exposition just feels incredibly lazy. Yeah. It's, um, it's an odd one. I do think it's one of the only bits in Skyfall where I wasn't because I, I mean I really like uh, Skyfall. I think it's a very enjoyable film. It doesn't make any sense, but I do think mm-hmm. it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But the very ending, there's something that's both. The bit where sort of, you know, Bond is there in the office and Money Penny's at the desk and then and there's the new M and all this. And it's meant to be a kind of, oh, look, here's the old gang back together. Here's, yeah. the, here's the setup. Oh, it's all proper. And on the one hand, it, it's shot very stylishly. But on the other, it's kind of saying, don't worry, the woman in charge is gone and the other woman's behind her desk again. It's all <laughs> right and proper. And I thought, this, isn't, this is a mixed message. I'm not entirely on board with mm. it. And even in this film, I think they say, oh, Christ, Moneypenny was she was a very exciting character in Skyfall before we then stuck her behind a desk. Hmm. We should bring her back in every scene we can. Yeah. To try and make up for it because, well, you've got an excellent cast. Yes, you have got an excellent. You know, I like Q. I like Rory Kinnear being in this film again. Mm-hmm. We 
we only need a brief sequence with them all at the beginning of the film yeah. where they do their bit and then we don't need to see them till the end. Yeah. That's fine, but the film keeps bringing them back but doesn't have anything for them to really do. Yeah, like Rory Kinnear does nothing in this apart from, no. again, deliver some more exposition. Yeah. But the video M leaves for him, which is really annoying. It's got that classic shit writing thing again of if anything happens to me, <laughs> uh, I want you to kill Sakara. Yeah. Uh, and then go to his funeral. Yes. Uh, which is nice. Why is Bond... Presumably then that means that Bond... Because Sakara must be the guy in the helicopter at the beginning who he's... Yeah, off. yeah. Why didn't Bond go straight to the funeral? Why has he gone back to London for a bollocking and then... Oh, I don't, back out? I don't know. Just, just stay out there for a while. Stay you undercover should. like should. a spy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Rather than keep jetting around so that people can, like, you know, check his passport. <gasps> And then we get his uh, personal effects oh, from Skyfall, which is the Order of, temporary, of temporary Guardianship. guardianship. <laughs> yeah. I, I really couldn't care less about this. No, this is, again, it's it, it's the film trying to do it two ways. I saw a lot of reviews at the time. I mean, this is, in Britain at least, fairly well-reviewed, like fours and five stars yeah, across was. the board. And a lot yeah. of people were saying, oh, Bond is getting a swagger back. It's having a little bit of fun. I'm, mm. so, I'm not sure what film you're watching. Yeah. It isn't. It, it's, it, it wants to be fun occasionally. It has Daniel Craig landing on a sofa. It's gone, right, we've done the jokes. Mm-hmm. Let's dig back down into his... We've done his background, surely. Mm. We did it in the last film. Yeah. Sure. I, I enjoy that. I mean, I thought it wasn't necessary, but I thought, okay, if we're going to go back into Bond's background, let's have him blow up a house in the process. Fine. Mm. Mm. But this stuff about... It's like, you know, two years later when Sherlock did, like, you know... They, Sherlock had a secret sister we knew oh, nothing about. God, and, yeah. And, and, and Doctor Who has just done a kind of a, a big sort of canon reset of, oh, you thought the Doctor was from here, but well, actually. And the big problem with it is usually it, 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 it's something which is there to make the audience go, oh, gosh, everything I thought I knew was wrong. Hmm. It rarely has an emotional impulse and, and, and a thrust in the film or the TV series itself. Yeah. I think people mistake sort of playing around with what is essentially continuity with with drama like mm. when they do that it usually results in people having to stand around for an incredibly long time in static two shots explaining the background they can't usually find a way of actually turning it into a visual drama of action and, and, and emotion and passion and that's what you have here is it's he looks at some papers he has a photograph which has been very very carefully burnt apparently to remove someone's face yeah he sees the photo later they have a bit of a chat that's not exciting and mm. unless you can I, I think the I think having him in the Skyfall house and it burning down and being blown up and that's the way of clearing away the past. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's that's fine. There's something going on. Spectre, oh. I don't, I'm not buying it. No, and also you were quite right to say that the the, the end scene in Skyfall, you know, with money penny behind her desk and everything, doesn't really know what it's trying to say. But I think what it's trying to say mm. is that right, that shit from the past thing's finished now. Yeah, back to business. Yes. Just like they did at the end of Quantum of Solace, but apparently that wasn't true either. Yeah. Um, and now we're back to being a normal Bond film again. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're not, because we're, we're lazy. I expected that, yeah. Yeah. Especially when, in a way, the four, you know, the four Craig films kind of mirror the first four Conneries, where you've got, like, there's the first one, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of a sort of sense of there's a sort of background organisation, or maybe. You've got the second one's a bit shorter, that explores the organisation. The third one doesn't mention it at all, and it's just quite a fun standalone film of a great villain. And the fourth one is all about Spectre, and with a boardroom scene. And I think, well, okay, you know, that that's if you're going to mirror, I, I doubt any of that is at all intentional. But yeah. sure, if you're going to, fine. But that means I think 
fundable for all its faults, and it's not the best Bond film in the world. It does mm. have a lot of fun sequences. It and really it is, does. Yeah. I, I, what I really like about it is that, it, again, because it's building up in the first, you know, the first two films as well, the mm. idea of a Spectre as an organisation of lots of different agents, all of their own quirks and bits and pieces and all that, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. This film doesn't do that. It just says, there's a shadowy organisation. And go, well, that's not exciting. You know, what do they do? They have knives in their feet? I want to <laughs> see knives in people's feet. <laughs> why don't we have that? Why, why isn't everyone in the boardroom scene sticking their feet up on the table? With knives in them. That's what I want to see. From uh, there is someone, though, with uh, metal thumbs. There is someone with metal, metal thumbs. I think they're even metal thumbnails, aren't they? Yes, I can't recall that he ever uses them again except to kill off somebody on his own side. He could have definitely done it later on. He could have. But he didn't. He chose not to. No. Uh, so uh, Bond... Uh, God, here we go. So Bond meets up with uh, Mallory. Rory, yes. Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear on a boat, that's nice. It is, and then his Kinnear says to him, which bugs me no end, a lot's happened since you've been away, and then points to a building that's just appeared. <laughs> and I, I want to know how the fuck long Bond has been in yeah. Mexico, because he said it was just a little holiday, Yeah, but it was apparently enough time to build an entire skyscraper. It's, uh, yeah, I, I like, but he, he always says something like, a, or I think he's, he meant to be talking about the, was it, the Bright Eyes Network, Nine Eyes Network, Bright Eyes, I'll call it Bright Eyes, yeah. Bright Eyes Network, but he says, uh, all the money's been spent on this, and he got, I thought you he, he he meant the boat, he says, this is a <laughs> very, very expensive boat, I, we shouldn't be on it, really, Bond, but yeah. come, we've got to live a little, haven't we? Absolutely. Rory can his only moment in the film. Also, stuck isn't, there on the isn't this plot idea taken from Captain America, the Winter Soldier? Oh, I've this nine eyes thing. Yeah. In Captain America with Winter Soldier, um, Shield, who it later transpires are being now controlled by Hydra, Ooh. have these satellites or have mm. these giant ships that can go up into space yeah. and they can target bad. They can target baddies in inverted commas oh. and take them out. Yes. Uh, and obviously, because it turns out they're being controlled by a shadowy organization, oh, this needs to be stopped because they yes. could kill anybody. <laughs> now, this is effectively what they're doing in this. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of exposition in this scene, and mm. indeed the next one, of just Roy Kinnear yeah. telling us all about C mm. and what C's up to. You think, yeah. why? Surely someone has to sit there and go, hang on. Given that Bond never meets this character again, mm. and given that Bond doesn't really intersect with this plotline again, really, not on any kind of like you know visceral action level, why is this load of exposition about Roy Kinnear in any other Bond film? This would be... Uh, you know, the, who M or Money Penny, or if you want Rory Kinnear to do it, telling us about the villain that's going to come up later, like, you know, Scaramanger or Goldfinger. He does this, this, and this. You've got to watch out for this. You know, mm -hmm. he's got a golden cock. It's it's awkward. And and that's exciting. And you go, Bond goes, okay, that's interesting. But he's just telling him lots of stuff that we don't really need to know. Bond certainly doesn't need to know. And if, why? Why are we doing it? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still not entirely. I mean, cards on the table, I think. The way to make a lot of this film work, certainly the first half, which is really just a sequence of Bond goes to somebody who gives him a name, goes to that person, gives him another name for about six or seven times in a row. Yeah. If the first half of the film was about some kind of uh, mission, Bond is sent on some kind of mission, um, which, you know, C and the, that organisation are involved with. But uh, and ends up causing some sort of Bond-like catastrophe, as he often does. Or he's framed for something mm. similar. He's on the thing, and um, C, with all the surveillance, has managed to get you know absolute proof of him doing it, and is using that as a means to cut, shut down the Double O program. Mm. You know, a way of destroying Bond's career, destroying the Double O, 
And you know, that was the first half of the film. The second half was everyone having to try and investigate it because they realised, oh, actually, sees a villain working for Blofeld. Mm. That would tie the whole film together. Mm. The focus of the first half, it would mean that when C meets Bond at the beginning, you know, they're kind of on the same side, but it's you know, there's an uneasy tension. That you'd have an exciting set piece stuff. Maybe he's, you know, he's investigating something. Yeah, if he's just if he's been set up by C and C is then using the resulting footage to shut everything down, that's an emotional that's that's a heft, that's drum, that's tying everything in yes. together. Yes. That that leads into Blofeld later when Blofeld says, you know, I've been ruining everything in your life. Hmm. Wouldn't it be so much better if we'd had something earlier in this film which which backed that up, rather than that just being a reference to three previous films that he wasn't in. Yeah. That's the word. That's my main, I think my main, as I was watching going, that's all these scenes of them talking to C. If that, if the first half of the film was built around this, and then as a result of this, C say, him saying, look, their best spy, he's blown up this place, he's endangered innocent lives, this, we, we don't need any of this. That's a big emotive sort of thing to rest a film on, I think. Yeah, like Bond being framed for things is a much more interesting story than yeah. whatever and, the and, fuck this is. And and that and then like, you know, um this scene where on the boat, you know, Roy Kinnear can be saying, Right, um, there's this villain that you need to be sorting out. Also this guy C, you gotta watch out because I, I think I think he's on the level, but you know, he's a stickler for this, that and the other. Hmm. If M and, and and Bill Tanner and everyone else, you know, w- was if, if they if they were kind of you know, they don't like C, but they're working with him, and it's and, and they're kind of complicit in all this against Bond. If Bond causes a catastrophe and he's framed for it, and M thinks, you know, sides with C and thinks that Bond's actually cocked up big time and essentially mm. sacks him. Yeah. And then later on, M realizes, oh, he was framed by C. Oh God, that's something. That's levels. That's you know, re- you know revelations and exciting things. And Bond go on the run. You know, if Bond wants to go on the run with Rory Kinnear, I'm totally up for it. But let's have a reason and let's make it really exciting on the way there rather than this somewhat drab sequence of meetings of people who don't matter. And I think that's my big problem with the first half of the film. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that, I just think, you know, Bond is, Bond is framed by somebody in, in MI6 and MI6 Saxon. That's a much more interesting film. idea, David. You've yeah. already repaired this film. That's that was my big. I've I, I kind of I, I've really sort of blown everything I've got really, and we're you know very early on in this podcast. I've got nothing left except just like taking the piss out of Daniel Craig. But that is, I I think that's it. That would be a really exciting film. There's so much in this film that is good and that is well shot. But that's the thing that you need the glue to hold it together. They always say like, if there's a problem in your third act, you know the answer is somewhere in the first. You need to rewrite the beginning hmm. from that first scene where where Moriarty turns up. Hmm. You think yeah okay. Make him important, not just mm. a weird sub-villain. But also make him on the level. Don't make him so easy to detect. Yes. I mean, part of that is... Make him likeable. Make him pleasant. Yeah. And that you wouldn't suspect for a minute he'd be behind all this. Yes. Rather than somebody... Make him somebody who at the beginning is, you know, he's he's not sure about the double program. He's He doesn't think it's going to work out. But, yeah, make him look like someone who is a bit of a prick. But it's mm. like... um. Uh, you know, the Minister of Defence in the old Roger Moore films, mm. who sometimes was a sort of, God, God, what's Bond doing mm. guy. But there are other films where he quite likes him. Yeah. You know, where Roger walks in and goes, Commander Bond, with a nice little smile. I yeah. like that. Yeah, me too. We should have that kind of figure. Definitely. But we, we, we don't. As you say, we have somebody who walks in and goes, Cooey, I'm the villain. Mm-hmm. You won't see me again. I, Brilliant. Still. I, but... I, I, where are we? <laughs> Well, just when you finished being mildly frustrated with this film, we get <laughs> we get Q saying, Q. Uh, "Orders from M, you have to have smart blood." 
Yeah. So we can track you wherever you go. Now, on paper, this probably seems like a fun idea. There's probably nothing wrong with it. But for some yeah. reason, it seems really offensively, annoyingly stupid. I mean, this is... People get upset with the invisible car from Die Another Day, which yeah. I haven't really got a problem with, I must say. But the smart blood, it really irritates me. I suppose it's, it, it, it feels like a very sort of... It, it's a bit outlandish, a bit fancy for something... It's a kind of replacement for something which could be much more ordinary, like we we got to stick a chip in you. Hmm. Like a little microchip or something like that. I mean, we buy that. I'm fairly sure that's been done in some previous Bond films. Yeah, it's in Casino Royale. Yeah, well, there you are. Yeah, yeah. We just, just, we're going to do this again. Yeah. But yeah, the, you're right. The smart blood itself, it, yeah. feels, it feels like somebody has tried to come up with something a bit Bondy. Hmm. But you don't really... And it's odd to do that in the same scene that then tried to, tries to make a joke out of, you know, um, Q giving him a watch. And yeah. does it do anything? It tells mm. the time. Mm. And you go, well, you either do the scene where all the gadgets aren't, if you know, there's nothing exciting here, like we did in Skyfall, or it's the Q lab of old with lots going on. And by the yeah. way, there's, a, you know, there's, you know, we talk about things that you can fix here. Yeah, yeah. The bit where he shows Bond the Aston Martin for no reason and then yes. says you can't have it. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better if later on... Someone comes in and says, oh, 008, I think yeah. it is, is here to pick up his Aston Martin. And he opens yeah. the door and it's gone. And then we see Bond driving it in Rome. That's better than him seeing it before. Yeah, It's funnier if Bond just nicks it, it and then we yeah. find out later on. We don't need a scene where he goes, ah, oh, it's an Aston Martin and it's really great. And then Bond goes, oh, is it for me? And he goes, no. Yeah. What's the point of that? I'd, if you really, I mean, certainly like rewriting the film to make all the, the C and then the nine I stuff important. Yeah, that's something. If you really want my big idea for how you, you improve this film, you have, you actually have uh, the subplot where 009 chases Bond around the world to get his car back. Ah. That's what I want to see. All the way through, like 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 Dreyfus in the Pink Panther films with a big bomb. Mm. I just want him always to be just just a bit too late on the scene. Just to go, Bond, where's my car? <laughs> That's so a, much that could better. be the sequel to Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> Bond, Where's My Car? That's the film I... I think, yeah, A little bit of humour in there. It is strange we don't see 009. I think a, I think a Connery or a Moore film would have shown yeah. us by walking in and looking a bit... Oh, I agree. He's a bit like Mrs. Mannering's wife in this one. Yes. I mean, Captain <laughs> Mannering's wife, I should say. <laughs> um, oh, God. That just reminded me that in the remake, Captain Mannering's wife's in it. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. She's a leading character in it. It's really annoying. Good God. Yeah. Um, That's a pity. Yeah, that is a pity. Um, yes. Or, or have like some double O's. Because like you say, Bond's been framed in our idea. Yeah. Or your idea, I should say. And have double O agents trying to find him. That yeah. would be interesting. Yes. If, but yeah, we've done the kind of like, I remember even in Quantum of Solace, there's a bit where like Judy Dench says mm. to him, you know, when I think Strawberry Fields has been killed. That's says, right. Oh, you're, you're grounded there. And Bond easily beats up a couple of people in suits and escapes, and that's it. You think, mm. no, well, if you're going to do this, you know, MI6 is going to track him down. Have lots of have Bond against the other double O agents. Yeah, I know it's a bit like Goldeneye. Fuck it, we'll do mm. it again. Yeah, Just do it again, but differently. I mean, it's better than this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you you remade You Only Live Twice. You know, a few years later and set it underwater. It's mm. fine. We don't care so long as it's fun. Mm. Have double O agents chasing after him, wanting that, their cars back. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Also, uh, he threatens to murder Q's cats if he <laughs> he says, uh, uh, basically says, if you make me disappear for 24 hours, I won't kick your fucking cats to death, you cunt. Yeah. It's, a, it's a strange little bit. Bond is oddly vindictive in early parts of this film, mm. in a way that I don't quite understand why. I mean, 
Q has got the bit where Q does the kind of like I told you, you know, to bring it back in one piece. Don't just bring back one piece. And yeah. Just chuckle. Hmm. That's an impossible task for any actor to pull off. Yeah. That bit. Yeah. But he does a he does his best. I think Q is for a guy who's basically been rewritten to be a kind of nerdy jobs work. Hmm. Uh, I I don't know why Bond is so unpleasant to him. No. No, they're supposed to be quite well. Supposed to be lovingly affectionate with one another, aren't they? Well, I guess you know Q does for no reason at all fly out to see him in that, oh, uh, don't, in that don't. health spa Christ. later. Oh. And I think why? Why? But we'll get to that. I'm sure because there's mean. a bit there that drives me insane. But yeah, oh, um, so Bond goes to Sciarra's funeral in Rome. Yes, he's in Rome. He's in Rome, and this is a bit again where I was mentioned earlier. There's a little germ of fun. Yeah, because Daniel Craig is at the oh, sorry James Bond I should say he's at the funeral. And he gets looked at. Those guys are kind of following him, and he just does a little playful wave. At little them. wave. Mm. I love that. That's really and nice. Good sunglasses as well. Looks good. He does. He's got wearing. I, I like the fact that even when everyone is dressed in a, in a black suit for a funeral, mm. Bond still manages to make himself look inconspicuous. Yeah, uh, totally conspicuous yes. through through wearing those shades. He's looking at, standing against the pale background, wearing shades, and everyone going, "We can see you." But it's do, seeing him do that little playful wave, I just think, "Where's this Bond been?" Yeah, I like this Bond. He doesn't yeah. give a shit, and he's doing little cheeky waves, and he's not being all intense and serious. Which, of course, which then leads us into the the next scene where oh. once again he's uh, sexually forcing himself on people and yeah. being very gravelly. On Monica um, Bellucci. Yes, who's so good in the thirty seconds that she's in this film. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's it's really weird. I mean, in terms of what she's again, she's just she is there so that he can go up to her say. Where, where do I need to go next? Mm. What name am I looking for? She gives him the name. You know, she's an exposition machine, but he can stick his knob in. That's all the character amounts to. He may as well be fucking a laptop. Yes. For all the, for all the difference he makes of the plot. It, she, it's a fantastic performance. I want to see more from her as a character. We don't get it. Why yeah. not? Why don't we have several scenes with her? Why isn't she set up earlier? And why? Why can't we do a bit more going on? But Absolutely. But the only, the only good thing about this bit is the bit where she thinks she's going to be assassinated. And yes. Good bit of two, direction. Two guys just get wiped out with silence pistol. I like yeah. that a lot. But what, when Bond sort of comes up after, you think any previous Bond would have some kind of quip. And what we mm. have is a long pause and, what a lovely view. Mm. And he, he, he should kick himself. And go, oh, fuck, I didn't have anything. He should have said, "Look, I can give you another stiff if you want." <laughs> I, <laughs> I will take it, especially if he says it. Yeah. There's a long pause, and she just turns around and walks back inside and leaves him there. Yeah, and he has to stand there by himself, going, "Shit, shit." What the fuck? Or he gets really, oh, "James, you've done it again, you fucking idiot, you idiot!" Yeah. And he starts hitting himself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time.
If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Con Sessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hyten and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Con Sessions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.